Welcome to the Present in the Pain podcast, a weekly show that looks at the experience of pregnancy and child loss through the lens of the Catholic faith. I'm your host, Eileen Tully. I'm Eileen Tully, and this is the Present in the Pain podcast. And before we start this episode, I would love to just thank you for your patience because I was supposed to record part two of our series on Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows last week, but my voice was not cooperating with me, so I had to hold off another week. So I'm glad to be back with you today and talking about uh, the second sort of sorrow in our series of Our Lady of Sorrows. But first, let's just recap the last episode. I shared a little bit about my own relationship with Mary and coming to know her uh, in in my own personal life, but also under the title of Our Lady of Sorrows. And I mentioned that what I felt from her was an invitation to put myself in her place for each of these sorrows. And when I was able to do that, I was able to recognize or identify with what she was feeling and uh, to relate it to an experience of my own um, my own losing my own child or my own children, um, there was some uh, some element of it that I was able to identify with and say, "Oh, I remember feeling something like this with my own loss." So, the fir- with the first sort of sorrow, uh, what I related to most in her with the prophecy of Simeon was receiving the initial diagnosis for uh, our twins that they, we went in for our 20-week ultrasound and I, we were hoping to find out if they were boys or girls. And instead, what we found out was that they were very sick and they were dying, that I would need to undergo surgery and try to save them. And, uh, you know, this this just felt like the rug was pulled out from under me. It was not what I was expecting. And I imagined that when Our Lady went in for the presentation in the temple and Simeon told her what to expect or told her what was to come with Jesus and that a sword would pierce her heart. Likewise, that sort of pulled the rug out from under her idea of what to expect from this divine son that she was um, presenting. If you had a miscarriage, maybe it was cramping or bleeding that was your first indicator that things were not what you thought they would be. But what, whatever the event is, even if you're not a grie- grieving parent, whatever, all of us have those kinds of situations that sort of stop us in our tracks, whether you get a diagnosis that's scary, or you lose your job suddenly, or you get a phone call that someone you love died. Any of those things can can be relatable to that first sort of sorrow. And so that was the idea for as we go through the series, if we can just put ourselves in the place of Mary and Joseph, because they were human, and they did come at these things, or these things actually came at them, and they responded in a human way, although with such trust and, and virtue that they are the perfect example for us to follow in our own situations. Our priest once talked about, it was the Feast of the Holy Family, and he talked about what beautiful examples they are to us, um, and that somehow, sometimes it seems that 
they're ev- it's even unattainable that we could never be as virtuous or holy as them. And so, you know, sort of why bother having this example that we'll never reach? But he wisely likened it to the handwriting samples on the wall of an elementary school classroom, whether it was printing or cursive, these perfect letters on the wall were the ideals. They were what we were striving for. We wanted to make our letters in just those shapes. And while we might never get it to look just as perfect as it does on those handwriting samples, it was still our goal. It was still what we were aiming for. And so he encouraged us to look at the Holy Family in that same way and to have them be the example that we're striving for so that when we encounter our own struggles, for like in this series, we're going to be talking about the sorrows, but when we encounter our own suffering, they're just such a perfect example to us of how to suffer well. So this week, we're going to talk about the second sort of sorrow, which was the flight to Egypt. And this is talked about in Matthew chapter 2. It says, now after they had left and they were the Magi, so you can imagine Jesus was born, the shepherds, the angels, the Magi, all of this happened. And it says, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Again, we can take a second and put ourselves in the place of Mary, who had to hear this from Joseph, right? It's not like God spoke directly to Mary and told her this, or the angel spoke directly to Mary. But so soon after the presentation and Simeon's prophecy, did this come to fruition? And um, Mary and Joseph had to gather up their child so quickly and and flee in order to protect him and keep him safe. And they realized just how much their child was hated and despised and that it was not going to be just a normal upbringing of a child. So they wanted to do anything they could to protect him. Or they would do anything it took. So without hesitation, Joseph trusted the angel And Mary trusted Joseph, and they packed up, and they took their child on this long, difficult road to Egypt. So if we put ourselves in Mary's place on hearing this, what for what? how does it relate to your own situation? For me, I just thought about the countless doctor's appointments. I had to have the in utero surgery to try to save our babies. I was on eight weeks of bed rest. It was just, it was so difficult. I was so out of my comfort zone and out of my element, just scrambling after, you know, a couple of healthy pregnancies that just went normally. This was so unknown to me. It was just really the wilderness of, of the desert trying to take one step at a time and figure out what we could do to save our babies. But really, we did whatever it took. And I felt like Mary was encouraging me that likewise, they didn't hesitate to endure the hardships that they had to because it was whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to keep Jesus safe, we will do. But ultimately, 
in our situation as well as in the Holy Family situation, while I could do my part to to you know follow the doctor's instructions, stay on bed rest, have the surgery, whatever they felt was the next step or was the appropriate thing to do because I didn't have the information, they did, so I had to trust what they said. Whatever they told me to do, I did, but ultimately outside of that the the situation was not in my control. While I could do my own part to contribute, I still had to trust God for the rest and really just sort of take one day at a time, one step at a time and try to keep our baby safe for as long as I could. And likewise, the Holy Family would have had to do this same thing. And it makes me think about the Israelites who were wandering the desert so many years earlier. And You know, just as God provided for them, he provided the manna, he provided the quail, there was water from the rock, there there was the cloud of smoke during the day and the pillar of fire at night, so that he made his presence known to them in a very tangible way. They still (laughs) responded to his provision with grumbling and asking themselves in Exodus 17, it says that they said, is the Lord in our midst or not? When things were were difficult, when it was hard, even even though he did have those provisions, they sort of got tired of the manna. And they're like, we're, we're, you're, you just brought us out here to kill us. Why are you doing this to us? They really challenged his provision for them and questioned his provision for them. And that can be a temptation for us also when we are in this sort of wilderness experience where we're just sort of saying, you know, um, all I can do is put one foot in front of the other. I don't see where this is going. I don't see what your plan is here. I don't see what's going to happen at the end. And he really just asks us to put that one foot in front of the other and, and trust in him that he will provide for us along the way. But it can be tempting to ask is the Lord here or not? What is going on? Are you with me? Are you not with me? Have you abandoned me? But as the Holy Family so beautifully demonstrated, it was really all about just trusting Him. Egypt would be a strange place for them to flee to. It would be completely foreign. It would be this long journey through the desert, and they didn't have support of family or friends when they were there. So it was really all about trusting in God. And these kind of experiences offer us an opportunity to do just that. Now, there's a little book called Befriending Joseph by Deacon Greg Condra that I bought for my husband, um, but I read it also. And it is about the seven sorrows of St. Joseph, which is something that I only learned about in the last year or two. Um, But Joseph's seven sorrows include this flight to Egypt. And in writing about the flight to Egypt, um, I just wanted to read a little bit from this book. I'll put a link to it in the comments below because it's such a good resource. And it's something um, my husband would tell you that the biggest thing that he felt in the whole process of our loss was helplessness. He likes to just... If there's a problem, let me help to fix it. And and this was just completely out of his hands as it was out of mine. But he just he just felt so helpless that it was 
very discouraging and very difficult to just completely surrender, really, to whatever God wanted in the situation. And I think that is true of many husbands. And if your husband is um, someone who you've probably found there's not a lot of resources for grieving fathers, um, but this book, Befriending St. Joseph, um, is just it's not specifically written for grieving fathers, but I think that the takeaways from it are similar. They're, they're applicable because that same feeling of helplessness, but the virtue that accompanied it for St. Joseph is shared in each one of the sorrows. So I just wanted to share um, Deacon Greg Condra writes in this book under the section on the flight to Egypt. He says, today, while so many seek sanctuary from war, violence, drought, or political upheaval, we can remember that the designation refugee applies to all of us. We are people in flight. It just makes me think of St. Teresa, I'm interjecting here, that where she says the world's your ship and not your home. Um, back to the quote, he, we seek refuge from sorrow, from loneliness, and fear. We seek shelter in an unforgiving world. We want protection from prejudice, injustice, and violence. One of the beautiful messages of the flight to Egypt is that the Holy Family, walking on that long journey, still walks with all of us. They accompany anyone who seeks security, safety, dignity, protection, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual. And their great strength, Joseph's guiding force, was trust in God. Remembering this audacious and daring trip, we pray to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph and ask for the courage to trust in God as we make our own journey through life as physical or spiritual refugees seeking shelter and security in God's loving arms. I thought that was such a beautiful quote because that's really what they had to do. And so the example that Mary gives us in trusting not only God, but trusting Joseph. Joseph had the dream and then you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes my dreams seem pretty real and they're pretty far-fetched or crazy. And so he really had to trust, no, this was an angel, and I know that this is what we're supposed to do. And then Mary had to trust him and also trust that God would provide for them along the way. But the two things that she did the best here were that she put her love of Christ above everything else. And so even in the midst of our difficulties, we really can do what St. James tells us, which is to consider it all joy when we face trials and temptations, because God God's ways are not our ways. So if we are dying to ourselves and living for Christ, and we are willing to put love of Him and trust in Him above everything else, uh, we're not going to be seeking a life of ease and comfort, but we can we can persevere and the trials and the testing will strengthen our faith. And so that's why we are supposed to consider it all joy, not ease and happiness, but joy that is more long lasting and trusting. Joy joy requires trust that God has a plan, that He's working even these difficult situations together for our good. And secondly, Mary embraced the suffering that that it would be to 
travel to Egypt, to live in Egypt, to travel back to Galilee. So she she didn't hesitate to gather up her things and follow Joseph. And in the flight to Egypt, you often see Mary on the back of a donkey holding baby Jesus, and they're just in the middle of a desert. But Jesus said, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so we all, just like she she was 100% willing to suffer for the sake of the son she was protecting, so we all should be willing to suffer for Christ's sake, trusting that God's will for us is perfect. So that's all I wanted to say about the second sort of sorrow. And I would love to get your thoughts. I would love to know if you have experienced something like this, if it's relatable to you, if you're able to put yourself in Mary's place, um, if your husband maybe felt helpless like St. Joseph and just needed to trust. So I'd love it if you could join me on the Present in the Pain community in the podcast discussion area and share your thoughts with me. What are your reflections about this sort of sorrow? How does it affect you? And how does it relate to your own experience of suffering? You can find a link to the Present in the Pain community, which is a an, uh, an online community that's out of social media. That's a private group that's just for grieving mothers. And you can find a link to it in the comments below. You can also find there my video retreats for grieving mothers. And that is a separate community within the community that's private. And you can go through several in-depth video lessons with tools for healing from the pain of child loss, practical tools, there's creative activities, there's a Spotify playlist to help you um, called Holy Grieving. There are so many resources there. There's even a copy of my prayer book, Praying with Our Lady of Sorrows. So I'll put a link to the community in the comments below. I'll also share a link to Befriending Joseph, this beautiful book that I read from today that you might want to read, but you also might want to share with your husband and see if he can relate to St. Joseph's feeling of helplessness, and but his example of virtue also in each of his seven sorrows. So next week, we'll talk about the third sort of sorrow, which truthfully is one of my favorites. It is losing Jesus for three days in Jerusalem and I can't wait to tell you why it's one of my favorites next week, but I hope you'll join me then to discuss that one. But until then, I'm Eileen Tully, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please consider hitting subscribe and leaving a review so that other people are better able to find it. Also, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show in any amount, it would be helpful for maintaining the podcast hosting and production costs. Thanks for prayerfully considering that.